I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. And I encourage you to, um, to leave the Bible open during, during the rest of the, the, the message today. This is the first Sunday in Lent, and this is, the, uh, this is a, a good reading for us today. I want to give you a little background. This is uh, probably in your, in your Bible. It says the Jesus' baptism and temptation. This is the point in Matthew's gospel where Jesus is, is led into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But right before this, he's just been baptized in the River Jordan by, by John the Baptist. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry and a very key moment in it. So listen for the word of God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly, angels came and waited on him. Friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for this amazing passage in the gospel of Matthew. Thank you, God, that this these 11 verses have something to teach us today specifically for how we are to live our lives. And each one of us here, God, can listen to your word and the interpretation today. And Father, that we can get personal direction and inspiration from you and challenge. God, we pray that all of those things might happen today. For we are counting on your Holy Spirit 
to inspire us, to illumine us, to bring something new to us today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And this year, Pastor Dan and I will be taking a a kind of a traditional approach to selecting what we're going to speak about on Sunday mornings. We'll be preaching and teaching from the Bible passages being used throughout the world using the resource called the Revised Common Lectionary. The lectionary is, uh, simply put, it's a three-year plan of Scripture readings. So throughout those three years, different passages are, are chosen for all the different seasons. And if you follow it for the three years, you get a really a, a pretty good representation of the whole, the whole Bible. Most Lutheran and Episcopalian and other liturgically oriented congregations, a lot of Presbyterian churches use it as well. Um, we, we don't, as a rule, on Sunday mornings use it here at Mountain View, but uh, we are going to be, um, we're going to be following the, the gospel readings from the lectionary throughout Lent this year. So today, thousands of churches around the world have read the words we just heard from Matthew chapter 4 about the temptation of Jesus. In fact, every year, the the lectionary readings cover this event on the first Sunday of Lent. So this year, we heard this this passage, this story from the Gospel of Matthew. In another year, it'll be the Gospel of Mark, and in another year, it'll be the Gospel of Luke, but it'll always be the temptation of Jesus on the first Sunday in Lent. And hopefully by the time we leave this morning, we'll know, we'll know a little more about why it's so important. <laughs> but first, let me say that next week, next Sunday, Pastor Dan will be preaching from Matthew 17, the gospel text of the, transfigura- the transfiguration of Jesus. So if you'd like to read ahead, there's your cue. Next Sunday is going to be Matthew 17. And throughout Lent, these readings are going to lead us through the gospels, focusing on Jesus' path toward the cross, and which we'll remember his experience of going to the cross, especially on Good Friday, which falls on April 14th this year. So we'll have a service on Good Friday, on Good Friday evening, and then, of course, Easter two days later. So this is where we're going, and on the journey toward the cross during the season of Lent. So today, Jesus begins his journey. He's still a bit damp from the waters of baptism in the Jordan River. And he is led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads him, we are taught, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So it's an interesting point to me that, that Jesus, part of the plan for Jesus was that he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is what God prompts him through the Holy Spirit's leading. First thing I want us to notice, though, here is that is the content of those three tests, something unique about them. The first test was to create bread from rocks. Remember, he hasn't eaten anything for 40 days. And the tempter comes and says, if you are the Son of God, 
make these stones into bread. Can you imagine not eating anything for 40 days? Personally, I'm not much of a faster. I have a hard time with that. Sometimes I skip a meal and, I, and I'm really hurting, just skipping one meal. Um, maybe you're, some fasting is something that you have done before as an aid to prayer. It's, it's tough for me. Can you imagine going 40 days with no food, just water? And then to have the temptation of turning stones into bread. Uh, that would sound pretty good at that point, don't you think? I mean, bread is good. Bread's always good. Yeah. I was thinking as I was um, in the first service this morning, I was thinking um, Jim, Jim Fletcher was sitting there, and I thought, you know, Jim Fletcher is someone who loves bread. When, every time he talks about going bicycling somewhere, he always says, and I found a great bakery. <laughs> it's something wonderful about eating bread right during a, during a bicycle ride. Isn't that right, Jay? What do, what do you call it? Rocket fuel. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, so bread is good. When you're really hungry, bread is so great. So bread's good. So then the second temptation was to display God's power by having angels appear from nowhere as Jesus publicly was to throw himself off the highest point of the temple. Now presumably, in order to prove that to all the onlookers that he really was who he said he was, the tempter says, if you're the Son of God, Throw yourself off the temple. So then, you know, what we read in Scripture will come true. The angels will come and swoop in and save you so you won't even stub your toe. Wow. Everybody would believe. Wow. Well, that would be good, wouldn't it? Then the third temptation was to rise to political power by bowing down to Satan. But the draw here was, just think, Jesus, all the good you could do if you, if you had all that political power. Just think of what you could do, all the good. That would be a good thing, right? Right? Here's the point. All three tests involve temptation to do things that were good, but not the best. And this is usually how temptation comes to us. I mean, unless it were somewhat good, Unless it were appealing in some way, it wouldn't be tempting, would it? Think about the things in your life that are temptations for you. My guess is that in another setting, at another time, it really wouldn't be a temptation, but actually something wholesome or something helpful. In Jesus' case, it was bread, Scripture, 
and kingdoms in their magnificence. And these are all good things. Most of our temptations will take the form of ethical choices that are not obvious or dramatic choices, but rather choices between various shades of good or something that's kind of good, but it's presented as something that's absolutely good when it's not really. And sometimes it's a temptation of evil disguised as good. So, here's a question to ask yourself in this season of Lent. Of the things that take up much of my time and attention, are they merely good or are they the best? Are we making life choices? As we're making those life choices, are we motivated by what good comes to us? Or are we motivated by what good is being done by God through us? There's a difference. It takes discernment and prayer to see the difference. So this is why we have this season for self-examination, to look at our own motives, to pray and discern. So here's another thing I want us to notice this morning in this gospel passage. This, this testing was part of the plan for Jesus. We, we need to know this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was tested let me ask you something. Was anyone ever a better person than Jesus? No. I, this is something we believe. In fact, we just covered this in our last series of messages, um, the, the Rooted series. Do you remember this? We talked about the fact that Jesus is fully divine and fully human at the same time. There never was a better person who walked this green earth than Jesus. But he was tested. Here's something I've noticed in my now 60 plus years. Good people are tested and tempted. And something else I've noticed. Sometimes really wonderful, well-meaning, dedicated, godly people fail when they are tested. Sometimes wonderful, great people give in to temptation. And to use common language, they blow it. Folks, there's only one human who hasn't blown it. 
and it's Jesus. This is one of the reasons I believe we need to read this story on the first Sunday of a season of repentance like Lent. (laughs) We need to be reminded that only one person was ever perfect, and it's not you or me. Amen? We get into trouble when we fool ourselves into thinking that, that we're indispensable. Somehow that we are like God when we're not. Remember, this is what actually tempted the first man and woman in the garden. The tempter said to Eve, quote, you will not die for God knows that when you eat of it, we're talking about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be what? Like God. You will be like God. But when tempted, even Jesus refused to inappropriately use his divinity to accomplish good things. But as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, he took the form of a servant. As one Bible scholar commented, He did not use God to claim something for himself, and it was this serving, suffering, dying Jesus whom God vindicated by raising him from the dead. Bottom line, it's sometimes those who have fallen, those who have blown it, those who have failed, who God can use the most. Because they're like like empty vessels ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The less of ourselves we have, the more room there is for the Holy Spirit. Again, as Paul puts it, we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. I have this picture of these clay jars that are cracked and this glory is inside of the clay jars and is shining out through the cracks. This is the picture that Paul talks about when he says we have this treasure in clay jars. If the jars are full of ourselves and our own importance and our indispensability to God, there's no room. But when we are emptied, when we take the form of a servant like Jesus did, when we are aware of our own sin, there's much more room. Now, let me be clear. It's necessary that we repent and confess our sin before the Lord. 1 John 1.9 says it clearly. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But in that forgiven and cleansed state, we are ready for God to use us again. We may feel broken. We may feel beaten down. This is often what we do to ourselves. You may be tired, you you may be sick, or just weary from life and its challenges, 
God can still use you to bring glory to himself. In fact, he may be able to use you more in that moment when you, than when you feel strong or, or confident or courageous. I have noticed this over and over again in my life, and I know I have mentioned it before, and if I have, forgive me, but there are times when I am doing what I'm doing right now that I absolutely feel like I have nothing. If you can imagine years and years of standing and, and trying to speak on behalf of God, there are some Sunday mornings when you feel sick, <laughs> I stood up here with a high fever. I thought at times I was going to be sick to my stomach. I remember coughing and not being able to talk. I remember just feeling really rotten. Not to mention the times on Saturday night, I turned to Chris and say, dust and bones. That's all dust and bones. I don't have anything for tomorrow. It just doesn't feel like, and she, you know, Chris often looks at me and goes, ha, ha. <laughs> she knows, she's seen it over and over again because it never fails when I feel the worst about it, or when I feel sick, or when I feel empty, God seems to step in and do something amazing. It is just maddening. <laughs> but it happens over and over again. Less of ourselves, more of the Holy Spirit. Look at Jesus. He was hungry. He was worn out. He had just been tempted by the devil more than anyone had ever been tempted. But he came out of that wilderness and for the next three years, God used him in the most amazing and powerful ways. May the same be so for you and me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.